Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ozbiz Live from our Barangaroo studios. Welcome to the call. Ten stocks picked by you. I put them to uh, two experts for adjudication on this 1st of August. Happy birthday to all the horses out there. Um, our two um, experts today, Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investor and David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Good morning to you both. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Gaurav, first... Was I reading first up month in the American share market uh, July since 2020? Wow, since 2020, two years. First up month, is that right? Uh, yeah. I, Are I you didn't feeling even notice. that there's confidence? Are we past the worst of it? Or do you think there's another leg? I honestly do not know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. But I, it, it didn't feel like a bottom to me. Right. And all we can go on now is our experience and our gut feelings. I mean, yeah. um, those of us who have seen these down markets before, we can only search for patterns. And in my experience, things, have to, things didn't feel like they were at the bottom mm. before the bounce. So okay. for me, I'm mm. still acting cautiously. I haven't deployed all that much capital right. in our funds. We still hold our healthy cash balance, not because right. we're trying to hold cash, just for the lack of opportunity, mm. really. And I don't think stocks are all that cheap in a lot of areas I'm okay. interested in. So I would be surprised if this is the, the end of it. Mm. David? Yeah, look, I'm very much the same sentiments. I think, you know, mm. it's quite... Bizarre, isn't it? I mean, last uh, last week with the Fed meeting, yeah. I mean, of course, they raised rates, um, but there's this perception that inflation, we've peaked. We've peaked. With yeah. inflation. Yeah. yeah. And um, and now it's just the growth concerns going forward. Mm. But uh, I'm like Gaurav, I'm not so optimistic about that, especially when I see oil prices still elevated. Mm. Right. Um, you saw big bounce in commodity prices on Friday. Um, so that's all inflationary, and um, we've still got supply constraints. Right. You've got China. Okay. You know, China's still in lockdown. So, yeah, it's not a time to be overly optimistic. Okay. I think it's cautious. All right. Yeah. One of the so, so we've had a bound. So mm. if you've been caught with some crap yeah. in your portfolio yeah, yeah, yeah. Take that, it you, that you didn't of sort of get out, yeah. is this a time to get, I still <laughs> to get think rid of it and if cash up? If you're still holding unprofitable cash-burning businesses, yeah. I would not be holding those yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, I'd, be, I'd be getting out of those um, mm. today, right now, this very minute. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I, that's not an area you should be in. Okay. Yeah, same, same. You've got to look at, um, I mean, I've been very defensive, you know, right. uh, and I'm very much in 60, 70% cash. Oh, uh, wow. 60 70. to 70%? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not like, conservative. That's the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's doomsday stuff. Yeah, yeah. Why me? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm having a nibble. I've had a nibble in the last right. uh, week, a week or so. Oh. Um, actually, a couple of stocks here that are coming up I'll uh, tell you about. But, um, you know, you've got to be very selective. But, yeah, right. like, I'm okay. not, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very much cashed up. All right. You know what's, what I, I think is, is causing the dislocation between the way we're feeling and the way the market's reacting might be that the, you know, the economists and the Fed are looking at all the inflation numbers and the numbers are telling you that inflation may have peaked and the numbers yeah. are saying that it might be coming down and that's what's feeding the enthusiasm. But from a consumer point of view, I mean, the numbers, they take out all the stuff that rises and then they say, oh, here's inflation. They take out energy and food yeah. and, uh, yeah, yeah. and housing. And then they say, well, here's, here's, the, here's the inflation numbers. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really matter what they say. What matters is what people see. Yeah. And people are still saying, I think, still think consumers are still facing rising prices and lower disposable incomes. Yeah. And that's what matters. And consumer psychology makes a huge difference. Makes all the difference. And the media coverage is so negative mm -hmm. that that is driving down sentiment too. Hey, the first five stocks in this half, first half hour of the show, we're going to take a look at Grange Resources, Baby Bunting, Clean Away, Lark and Phoenix. Uh, stock of the day, thought we'd take a look at Aussie Broadband. It's expecting full-year earnings to come in at the top end of guidance, around $39 million. Uh, during the June quarter, total broadband connections lifted by 7%, which uh, accounts for its acquisition of Over the Wire. Uh, this after a mixed third quarter, saw shares tumble as much as 30% from the record highs in April. Uh, Gaurav, you've been a bit of a fan of Aussie Broadband in the past. What did you think of the update? Yeah, I, I've owned this since it IPO'd um, and I've been, uh, you're right, I've been a fan of it um, and I particularly think the, the founder and management is outstanding in this business. Yep. Um, I looked at the numbers quickly before I came in, and I have to say, when I looked at the numbers, I thought, oh, this is a great update. Um, you know, the uh, earnings uh, were at the upper end of guidance. Yep. Um, the connection numbers were particularly strong. The saving synergies from the acquisition, um, probably better than expected, I'd say. Yep. And the market share gains, uh, again, I'd say better than I would have expected. Um, what they didn't put in there also was that um, the marginal market share gains, so every quarter the ACCC releases an NBN report, they're getting still about 40% of every new, of all the new connections on the NBN. Wow. So almost one in two new connections are going to Aussie and the market share officially is 6% or so. So right. I still think there's a lot of room for growth left in the business. Um, the next big um, upstage is going to come when they finish their fibre network. Um, that's going to save them about $15 million a year, dropping straight to the bottom line so you know next year I think they're looking at sort of 70 80 million dollars in EBITDA potentially and it's looking quite attractive at these prices oh. I think the story is is better than that I think there's been some skepticism about Aussie because it is yep. a at today it is a reseller of NBN services yep but you look at what they're putting together they now have uh, their own fiber backhaul they've they've bought um, a, um, a voice network and um, IT and cybersecurity capability. I think they're putting together um, a more diverse and higher quality business than the one that exists today. I've said this before, but it does remind me of the evolution of Macquarie Telecom, right. which started off as a reseller and traditional telco, and it moved into much higher quality, better product. It, today, Macquarie Tel Telco is a core holding for me personally, and it is a wonderful, maybe the best telco business in the land. Mm. And I can see Aussie taking steps to follow that mm. trajectory as well. So okay. this, is, this is a buy from me. Okay. I, the market's reaction is, is you, you, you shouldn't ignore that. The market is not, it, it, if you're an investor and you think the market's silly, I think that's a really immature attitude. You, you, this, is, this is concerning that on news like this, 
the, the shares pull back. I, yeah. I don't know that this is just the market being silly. I'd, I'd be just limiting my position size until that full year result comes out and we get a bit more information. Okay. But I, I would be nibbling at this, yes. Okay. David? <coughs> uh, look, it's not a buy for me, technically speaking, you know, because I'm a technician and, and a fundamentalist yep. mm. yeah. as well. But from a technical point of view, it's certainly not a buy. Um, on the chart. Um, you know, look, the trading update was, was a positive one, but the market, obviously, reaction today isn't, isn't positive. I mean, it's just, you know, the, the stock's down. Um, I was just having a look at it now. But uh, it's, it was down on that just, yep. you know, quite sharply. So hmm. oh, there it is, you know. So it's down, yeah, 17%. So um, something's obviously amiss here for um, the investors, the shareholders who are yeah. selling today. I think it's probably the only thing for me. It's it's the price mm. you pay. I, I like you know I like buying bargains. Yep. Um, it's not exactly a bargain in my book. It, you know I've got a different book to most people. Yeah. But uh, for that reason alone, look, I I put it on my watch list. Right. But it's not a buy for me. Okay. Right now. All right. Okay. Let's get into the. Uh uh, stocks that you want us to take a look at. Uh, first one, Grange Resources. Um, the um, uh, they're into uh, basically iron ore pellets and 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 mining. Uh, Prashant wants a view, saying it's debt-free, premium products, paid ten cent dividend last half year. Appreciate if Gorab could give his take on this company, uh, on whether it's worth holding for further gains. Um, he's his favourite analyst uh, for resources. Mm, there oh. you go. Yeah. Uh, but then okay. Murray also wants a view on Grange Resources and uh, he wants David Novak's view um, after the uh, the quarterly update. So uh, you're getting the best of both worlds today. Uh, Gaurav, <laughs> let's start with you. Your view on Grange Resources for Prashant. I can see why you'd be looking at this. This looks, um, the numbers are astonishing in this business. Mm. It's what, a $1.3 billion uh, billion dollar business with what four hundred million dollars in cash, generating really good, um, yep. really good cash flow, um, and a history of, of sensible capital allocation. Not only that, geologically, this mine has been going for fifty years. Um, I think it was the first magnetite pellet operation in Australia, okay. and that's important. So it's upmarket. I don't know. Have you just got upmarket iron ore? Is that it's not what Fortescue digs out of the ground? No, that's what's known as um, direct shipping ore. So that's a hematite product, and that is the the reason we love hematite is because you can take a shovel, you can dig it up and put it at the back of a a truck or a uh, or a a railway. That's it. Right. That's the extent of your mining operation. Right. So it really becomes a logistic exercise. It's very low cost. That's why you can see BHP doing it for sort of 15 bucks a tonne. Right. Now, with these guys, um, these guys take a, a lower-grade product. Um, they have to, have to wash it, and then it has to go through uh, a two-stage crushing process, which uses energy-intensive, heavy crushing processes. Right. And then they, they have to uh, sort of burn it at 1,000 degrees Celsius oh. mm-hmm. for a number of hours. And then it comes out as a pellet. And you're right, at the Is end of that process, <laughs> it's not complicated. It's expensive. It's, it, right. The main input here is really energy. So these plants are very expensive to set up. Right. But these guys know what they're doing. They've set it up for a long time. That's a sunk cost. The main problem here is the um, the marginal cost of energy to run all this um, processing. Right. Um, at the end of it, you do get a very good product. You get a pellet product that's about 67% iron content. It, it attracts premium to the benchmark price. Oh. They have customers waiting for it. Um, 
but the, you look at the cost curve from here. That last quarter, they did their costs were $120 a ton um, versus the received price of $190 odd a ton. Right. So the margin. This is a great business to own in an iron ore bull market. This sort right. of thing will fly when iron ore prices are flying. It's not the sort of thing you want to own if you're concerned or negative about the iron ore price. Right. So this is really a vehicle for your view on iron ore. Right. It's well managed. Um, it, the geology here is well understood and the mine has been in operation for a long time. Because of the complexity of mining, you, I would not invest in a, in a startup magnetite operation, yeah. but this sort of business that has been running for a long time, I think that's it's, it's reasonably safe. Okay. Um, I, I quite like management here, but the, the other issue is that it's 50% owned by a Chinese steel mill, which I think introduces a strategic risk. I don't know. I don't want, I'm not sure I want to be a minority shareholder in a, right. in a business like this. Um, look, I, I file this away for the next iron ore boom. This is one of the things, the first things you should look at if you believe iron ore prices okay. are going to go up. So not now. Because super exposed. It's my own belief. And, and look, this is only my view. You may have a different view. My view is that iron ore has peaked and I'm co- extremely right. concerned. I can see iron ore down at 70 and then back down to 50 okay. in a few years' time. Um, right. So this is not the kind of stock to own. I actually think this is probably a sell, but um, that's because of my view on where iron ore is heading. If you think iron ore prices uh, are going to stay at 120, 150 or higher, then this is, um, this is the way to get exposure to iron okay. ore prices. David? Yeah, well, uh, I can say a lot about this because of time. I mean, this has been my biggest shareholding since October uh-huh. 2020. Uh-huh. I got in at 25 cents and they have paid that in dividends right. in, in uh, just under two years. So you sort of had a free carry on that. Oh, it's been unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I've had a hundred. Are you still put. in it? No, this is right. the thing. I, I, I've taken some profits because this shot up to about a dollar seventy-five, dollar yeah. seventy-six, and it was a little bit extended. And of course, you know, with iron ore being as volatile as it is, I took some money off the table, and I just sold a lot more last week when I saw that report. Right. Because they're. Their costs went up dramatically by 20%. And well, energy, price. energy is going yeah. through the plant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes sense, yeah. Um, so I know the company mm. quite intimately. Mm. I've actually spoken to the CEO through an interpreter. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's an engineer. He's, he's operationally, he's brilliant. Mm. The, my biggest criticism with the company over the years is they've got 9,700 shareholders and they don't have an investor relations person. Right. I mean, you know, so who do you speak to? Yeah. I speak to Michelle Lee, who's the chairperson of the board. So I'm in constant communication with her. And I spoke to her this morning coming in saying, can you give me any update? And they, you know, basically she said, look, it's very uncertain in terms of the price yeah. outlook for iron ore, plus their costs have gone up because of diesel, etc." But look, they've got another great project, the Southdown project in WA. That's a longer term project. But look, the trend here, it's turned down sharply. So I've taken a bit of money off the table. So I'd say if anybody bought in, I was known as the Grange guy because there's no analyst coverage here. I've been speaking about this stock here for at least the last 18 months to two years. Uh, But what I'm saying right now is take some profits off the table. I wait for their annual results. But yeah, look, the volatility of the iron ore price plus China's uncertainty around China with the property market. There's a lot of uncertainties out there. So, right. uh, but okay. this Self has been a fantastic. Well. Uh, this this has been my best uh, holding by far. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, 
Thank you, Murray, and uh, also Prashant. There you go. You got the uh, uh, straight from the horse's mouth, both of you. Uh, let's go from um, Chinese-owned iron pellet uh, to uh, nursery retailers uh, in Australia. Nina wants a view, <laughs> David, on baby bunting, uh, the retailer of everything, of prams, cots, nursery, uh, baby wear, feeding, and they can pick a grandparent at a hundred paces <laughs> and and direct you through to the, up the most expensive McLarens ones, yeah. and yeah. which almost costs the same as an F1 <laughs> uh, with a stroller. Um, what do you think of baby retailer, but mm. also yeah. cashes in on the baby boom? Yeah, look, this is uh, the numbers are really good here, and there's there's something like I think a five analysts that have an average price target about $6.20. But look, their return on equity has been great, stable. I mean, you know, there's something like the birth rate, something like 300,000 babies a year. So it's almost, you you might even consider this uh, somewhat defensive, um, this this company, this business. Um, Look, the earnings have been great. You know, their first half revenue was up by 12%. Earnings per share grew by 27%. These are good numbers. Um, plus, you know, their um, free cash flow is 34 cents a share. So it's pretty solid, um, and the trend is starting to move back up here. So look, uh, it's not overly expensive. I mean, it is on a multiple. I mean, if you look at it in, this, in terms of the retail sector, you know, it's probably a little bit up there above. I'd like to buy it at lower prices. But look, yeah. it, it is moving up on the chart. It has moved up, back above the 50, what I call the exponential 50-day moving average. So look, I, I would say this is a, this is a buy and a hold, you know, for those who are already in it. Okay. Um, but I, I don't mind this as a buy at all, and I think it could go back to the highs. But look, the numbers were were, were good, okay. and their outlook as well. Gorat, it's a really good retailer. I've owned it in the past, um, post IPO, and and I think this is up there in, in that top tier of, of Australian retailers, um, which as a basket are actually surprisingly good anyway. Mm. But but this is um, this is really good. So they've got 64 stores in Australia. Um, I should mention when they first started, they did they weren't the market leader when they started. When they first came to market, there was a UK brand called Mothercare, and there were yeah. Babies R Us, and they were the two dominant stores. And um, I heard the, the CEO once explain how he broke in and, and broke those two retailers. And he said that, that Mothercare only really sold um, home brand stuff. So they, weren't, they didn't realize that the, the market was turning premium and they had to get all these um, big brands in, into their yep. stores. They just collapsed because they didn't have the product. And Babies R Us, um, he said, look, some of their stores were, um, yeah, they didn't have car parks attached to them. Um, they were upstairs where, where parents were, were, had to carry their kids in their prams up the stairs. Just basic retail they couldn't get right. right. So these guys came in with a, with a PE backing, um, a good PE firm, and they rolled out um, really sensibly. They know how to do retail really well. Yeah. The next evolution for them has really been to um, um, to bring together online and, and in-store sales together. And they've done this better than almost any other retailer I can think of. Uh, Universal Store is the other one has probably done this really, really well. Yeah. So a quarter of their sales are now online, but of those online stores, Stores, 90% of the sales involve an in-store or an in-store visit. So mm. the, the store network is absolutely crucial in driving the online channel. Right. 
and um, about half their stores, half their sales now come from exclusive lines. So this is not this is this is an integrated kind of uh, retailer, but and, and half their sales are from are from sales lines that you can't get elsewhere. <laughs> it's become such an important channel for anyone selling baby goods that you have to be there and you have to provide them with either a better price or or, or better product. Wow. Um, so it's 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 a competitive lock they have on this industry that is unmatched. As I said, they've got 64 stores. They're rolling out to 100. The next largest competitor has three stores. Mm, So they're they're completely dominant. They're a category killer. A category killer. The only thing I... Uh, that the reason I don't own the stock today is just the price. You know, when when I do the numbers on this, when you assume 100 stores, you put in a reasonable um, EBIT margin, so 5%. You put in a reasonable um, uh, store revenue line. I still get 20 times earnings, and that's for a built-out store network. It needs to be lower than that. Right. Um, this is a good retailer. Keep it on your watch list, um, but I need to buy it cheaper. Um, right. So um, uh, I'm going to put a hold. Um, the other point I quickly raised, David, because I think uh, it, it, it's not well understood, is that the um, uh, there's natural growth built into this because uh, half their store network is under five years old, and it takes time to build um, yeah. the volume here. So um, I, I, I want to see margins and revenue expand even faster than the store network rollout. And if I can see that happening, then I might be happier to pay a okay. higher price, but hold for now. Okay. And, um, you know, retailers might be under pressure with the economy, but people don't tend to skimp on babies. No, do they? they don't. They certainly don't, yeah. Not on the first baby anyway. The second and third baby, they get skimped on uh, all the time. Because uh, uh, we have a tradition in our household mm. that Lib and I buy the first uh, pram oh, yeah. of every grandchild in that, that family. Mm. I remember going to Baby Bundy and... Now, there's the array of prams up there. And they took me, of course, knowing I was a grandparent, took me to the year and the premium end. Yeah. And it was something like three and a half thousand dollars. Oh, my goodness. Wow, God. (laughs) You know, can can you give me something in the middle? And uh, the, (laughs) the lady said... Well, if you want to compromise safety <laughs> for price, I said, don't you give me that. Don't you give me that. They know the buttons to push oh, as well, don't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. they can read grandparents like a book. Um, uh, Gaurav Braden wants a view on Clean Away, the, mm. uh, the waste management uh, group in Australia and the United Kingdom. Yeah, this is a... Um, it's been a troubled business for a long time, but it really should be a good one. And in many ways it is. So most of this business, sort of, I think half of half of revenue but 80% of earnings is a simple uh, waste collection business. Yeah, collecting um, our bins. Collecting yep. bins, that's right. And um, that comes with kind of a long-term contract. I think it's seven to ten year contracts or five mm-hmm. to seven. But long, longish term contracts. And there are great economies of scale because if you're sending um, the, 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 the garbo and the, the truck out, you might as well collect it in the next suburb over and you might as well, you know, you just get all these yeah, economies yeah. of scale. Yeah. And so you do end up, this is almost a monopolistic kind of enterprise um, and it ends up that way. These guys have a huge portion of the market, even though it is quite competitive and the margins they earn are interesting and, and decent. The rest of the business is really, um, it's, it's actually quite cyclical because um, it comes from liquids waste, um, industrial waste, hydrocarbons waste, which is mm-hmm. going to fall. Um, 
and, and that pie is about 20% of earnings. Uh, growing okay, some of it, the hospital waste is growing, but, but probably not as solid as the, uh, as the 80% that comes from waste disposal. So the way I think about this is it, it's just a, it's a solid, steady um, earner that um, as long as management does nothing stupid, um, they should actually be okay. And it mm. should actually churn out good cash flow, which it does. It should pay a reasonable dividend, which it does not. They're they're actually acquiring a lot of other businesses, and they're trying to turn into kind of an infrastructure business by uh, monetizing some of their surplus land assets. One of the big things in this industry is you have to pay um, expensive tolling fees to dump your rubbish in in specialized lots of land. If you collect those lots of land, you can uh, they call it the internalization, right? You can actually reduce your cost, and you can charge other people to put put their garbage in in your landfill as well. So um, it's just very expensive to buy those things up, and, and and I think, I think this is too expensive. Um, there's too many acquisitions. It, it's uh, I'm I'll go a hold for now. Look, I think it's a sol- there's a solid business in there. Um, I, I think it needs to be less ambitious. And if they did less and just paid out more, I would be happier with this company. Right. It always carries, which I th- I think too much debt, and that continues to be the case now. Um, but on a free on a four percent free cash flow yield, I think this is this is just a hold. Okay, David. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not a buyer. First up, that I'll let you know, and I don't even know if I'd be a holder to tell you the truth um, of this company. It's it's look, it's very slow and steady as she goes. Um, it's almost turning into a technology business actually with waste management. When you're looking out into the field, there's some organic growth there. But look, I, I just can't get excited. It's not. It's just a you know a steady revenue earner on a very low yield. Mm. Um, and um, you know, and that's reflected pretty much in the share price. Yeah. It's, it's certainly highly priced for the multiples. It's you know running on. It's like you know, if it was a high tech growth stock, I'd understand it. But thirty three times, right. no thanks. It's okay. not not for me. It's worth right. pointing out that the cash earnings are much higher than the NPAT. So um, on on a cash flow basis, it's. I think it comes down to like 20, but it's still high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go from uh, waste management to drinking whiskey. Um, David, Andrew. Let's talk wa- about a couple of stocks as well, shall we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew wants a view on uh, Lark uh, Distilling. Um, sort of Cora's uh, yeah. sparring partner, Maiton, loves this food thematic. I'm not sure whiskey fits in it. No. It's, got, it's had a few... Um, uh, Executive issues, <laughs> shall we say, I, in, I, in, I, in I, the last twelve months? But yeah, um, yes. a Tasmanian-based. It's very colourful, isn't it? Yeah, the story behind um, this one. Yeah, um, yeah look, it, it, it's. Um, I, don't, I mean, I'm not a whiskey drinker, but I, I hear it's pretty good. And look, their whiskey bank has grown quite substantially yeah. over the the last five, four, five years. Actually, it's quite impressive. Um, net sales, you know, up fifty-seven uh, percent on. Uh, year on year was pretty impressive to 20 million, but look again. I, I look at the multiples here. Uh, impressive growth in net sales. Like if, if you look at it back in financial year 20, there were six six and a half million net sales, and now it's 20 million. So that's quite an impressive increase. But again, it comes back to um, valuation here. I don't mind the business, um, but I just can't buy it um, down here. I mean, look, it might have a technical bounce. Looking at that chart there. It's, it's struggling to, but again, on, on um, what I'm seeing here, I'd, I'd still like to, I'd like to see their, late, their next update, actually, okay. to, uh, before I, I would say as a buy. If you've got it, probably as a hold at best. Right, at probably. best, okay. Uh, Gaurav? 
Yeah, quite a famous brand in the, mm. in the whiskey world. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think it might be one of the oldest um, uh, whiskey brands in Australia. It's it's won international acclaim, uh, heaps of awards. Um, the founder returned to the business for marketing purposes, lent his name and a wonderful story, and that was the foundations um, for the rebuilding of this brand. It's been around for a while, and for most of its life, has not been all that successful. Right. But um, the CEO who came in came from Treasury Wine Estates, was a brand building specialist, and came in, applied his magic to Lark, and it was all working beautifully. The key to this business, as David says, you've got this growing bank of, uh, of whiskey inventory. Because by law, you've got to make a, put it down for X many years to mature, oh, yes. don't you? Yeah. So, mm. and, you're forced to do that. Yeah, and you have to do that. And, yep. and it grows in value while it sits there. Not the makings of a wonderful business, because you're sitting there with all this inventory that you can't monetize yeah. for 10 years or, or yeah. 20 years in some cases, right? Yeah. Um, but but um, what the key for this company is, this is not really, I don't view this as a whiskey maker. This is a brand business for sure, because the, the key to success is that bank of whiskey that they're building. They have to monetize that at yeah. a really high price. I think they're talking about sort of 200 bucks a litre and that keeps growing as the brand equity keeps growing as well. Okay. Um, so the the trick for them is they have to they're increasing this this inventory. So they're increasing supply, and at the same time they've got to increase the mm. price. Mm. So the only way to do that is to is to is to get that marketing working. Yeah. This is a company that requires brilliant management, and they had that in the past. They don't have a CEO at the moment. The CFO has also left relatively recently, but I think that post has been filled. You can't buy this company until you know the manager yep. or the man or woman in charge. Uh, this, mm. this needs good management. Um, it's an interesting story. I think it's a sitting duck takeover because the brand is strong. Right. Diageo or, or one of the Japanese um, whiskey makers must be looking at this thinking we can put this into our portfolio of brands. Yep. But as an investor, you need to know um, okay. the, the, the person in charge and the strategy first because this right. is a marketing business. Um, so I would not even be there. For me, it's a sell for now. Right. Um, and once we've had an update about what the strategy and the management looks like, you can look at it again. Okay. All right. Dario uh, wants uh, a view, David, on Phoenix. Um, says, can I put it to you next time you're on the show? Um, uh, he's uh, loved this stuff and you've mentioned Phoenix in previous um, shows lately the financial numbers are good they paid a dividend the chart looks like it's stuck between a rock and a hard place pun the pun uh, says Daria Uh, where do you see it going it's in um has a, a bit of iron ore and base metals, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, really interesting. I'd be uh, talking about Grange before I'd switch out of Grange and into this one. So ah. I'll come off the bat and say I, I rate this as a buy. Right. Because just because of their hedging strategy. Uh, what I like about um, the management and Rob Briley, who, Briley, he, um, he's given notice. So he's actually leaving, uh, which is a bit, um, I think, this Put a bit of Rob, damp, yeah, Rob, Rob, not Ron, no, Rob, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's someone else, isn't it? Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, not Ron Brilly from New Zealand. I think oh, yeah. you were talking right. about Ron. Oh, yeah, 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 we don't go there. <laughs> um, but you know, he's done an excellent job um, managing, steering the company to where it is today, and um, so there's a little bit of uncertainty about him leaving. Yep. Um, you know, and who is going to replace him? But look there. What I like about it is their risk management policies. They hedged, they've hedged um, pretty much two thirds on the right. price. So they've got an average hedging of about uh, you know one hundred ninety six dollars, 
premium iron ore. Now they truck it a long way. They've also just taken over the other 50% of the haulage business that they didn't own before. So now they've also got a road haulage business and that's going to save them approximately $10 a tonne. So that brings their cost down to $70 Aussie. So they've got a very strong margin here locked in for the next 12 months. Okay. So with 102 million, see this this business has only started, they started um, shipping all from April last year. They've already got 102 million in the bank. Right. You've got a market cap of 145 or something. Right. And then you've, they've got this um, the storage facility at Geraldton, at the port facility, is only four. They paid a million dollars for that, it's worth 20 million. They've got a road haulage business. The enterprise value on this looks absolutely ridiculous, right. plus the hedging in place. So I, I can't see why it wouldn't be a buy, plus their dividend policies. They already paid out five and a quarter cents. You work out the re- return on dividend yield on that, fully franked. Yeah. And their, um, their policy is to pay out 50 to 80%. Okay. So... Switch uh, Ada Grange into this. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Go right. A bit more cautious on Phoenix. Um, I've seen these Midwest trucking operations before, and they make piles of money in times of high iron ore prices, and all of them have disappeared. Um, No one's heard of Atlas anymore, have they? That was the big um, trucking operation that came around in the last iron ore boom, and it disappeared as as soon as prices fell over. Poor management there. I agree with that. I was about to say, this is not that, because management here is outstanding. Um, Within sort of two years, they had, they had, it's a tiny deposit as well. It's a very small remote deposit. And somehow, somehow they've got everything together very quickly and take advantage of these, these crazy high iron ore prices. They've monetized it fast. They've returned cash to shareholders fast. And I think buying their, um, the logistics fleet is important. Um, they paid a big price for it. They, they paid, what, $16 million, including a big chunk of equity for that right. logistics fleet, valuing it at $30 million, which is, which is multiples too high, I, I think. But they need it because they have to get their costs down. Yep. 70% is an aspirational target. Their, their current costs are $90 a tonne cash. You can yep. add 50% in terms of real cost. So they're probably producing it... One thirty, one forty dollars a ton. Realize, um, and and they're being saved because of the hedging. But hedging won't last forever. You, you don't value a stock because of the hedging policy. Hedging yeah. will run out, and after it runs out, I think this is quite a fragile operation with terrific management. It's up to them to show what they can do next. Um, they've got the, they've got they have heaps of cash in the bank. They'll have a trucking fleet that they can potentially monetize, and they're smart guys with a bit of hustle. So right. I, I will, I'm going to leave it as a hold. I think right. if you're a if you don't mind taking on a bit of risk, uh, there's a chance that these guys could pull something off here, uh, just because they've got the smarts. They'll have the cash. They'll have a couple of interesting assets. They could pull something off here. Okay. But for more conservative folk, iron ore is something you should be very concerned about because mm. um, historically this is not a sensible line or price, right. it could halve from here okay. over the next few years. So just right. be, be, be wary. Yep. All right, let's recap the first five <laughs> stocks. Our stock of the day, Aussie Broadband, a buy from uh, Gaurav, a watch from uh, from David. Uh, Grange Resources, basically a sell from both. Uh, Baby Bunting, a, um, a buy slash hold from uh, from David. Uh, Gaurav has it uh, as a hold as well on his watch list. 
bit expensive at the moment. Uh, clean away a hold from Gorav, a no from David Lark, uh, a sell from Gorav, a hold from David, and Phoenix, um, a hold from Gorav, and a buy from David. Uh, here on the call, we've been uh, tracking our own fantasy high conviction fund uh, as judged and invested by our investment committee. Latest episode, the committee meeting, live on ausbiz.com. The next one goes live tomorrow. Uh, at the last uh, meeting, uh, they got out of Tyro, Qantas, Frontier Digital Ventures, Tabcorp and Steadfast, um, but added Babcorp uh, and have about 10% in cash. Uh, the fund since the 1st of March is down uh, about three quarters of a percent. Uh, keep sending in your request to the, the call, of course, because that's the first filter that uh, goes up to the investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Um, uh, this half hour, Lindley's Pacific Smiles, Dew Century, Zinc, Points Bet and Latitude uh, on the agenda. Uh, Will wants to view Gaurav on Lindley's, the uh, the international infrastructure and uh, construction, property construction company. Yep. Um no one will argue with me when I say this is a lousy business and has been for years. It will surprise you to learn that we own it <laughs> in our portfolios, in two of our portfolios. Um, it, it's, a, it's a reasonable size. Uh, why do we own this stock? Yeah, that's probably what you're wondering. Um, yeah, as I said, this is this is a crappy business and has been for years. Um, it's it wasn't always that way. This was this when this started out under the founder. This was a really, really well managed, um, strong business. That's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. Dick, Dick Dusseldorf. <laughs> that's right. The Dusseldorf ben days. Stewart. Is that when you were just leaving university? Yeah. I think, I think uh, earlier than that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just leaving high school would have been. <laughs> Stuart was quite good too. The apprentice to Dick. But yeah. after that, though, when they went yeah. over to the, they went over yeah. to the US. Um, then they bought a whole other series of, of businesses, and yeah. and they just became uh, bloated. Returns fell, um, and in a business like this, once you get this big. It just becomes unruly to manage. They have constant yeah. blow-ups all the time. Um, there, there's, they're building projects that, um, that, that the costs always uh, blow up as well. So it's, it's, it's one of those stocks that's vulnerable to things going wrong. And for the last 10 years, it's been one thing after another. Right. I do think, though, there are signs of um, a turnaround here. Um, we've got new management in place now. Right. We've got a few interesting board changes. <coughs> They've sold um, some of the offending businesses, that engineering business in particular. I'm glad to see the back of that. It looks like they're going to sell their um, their health business as well, which I think should attract some good prices, free up some capital. Um, they've been making losses for for years, uh, for the last three years. Um, but it's worth noting that the revenue line has collapsed here. It went from 16 billion in revenue to 10 billion in revenue, um, and in that time, the working work in progress account, which is where they stuff this, their kind of inventory for their this pipeline. kind of business, their pipeline, that's blown up. So I think what you'll see over the next few years. So this is a business that's been in structural decline. That's that's hit a cyclical headwind. I think that cyclical headwind would now unwind. You'll see that work in progress balance go back into the P&L, you'll see some revenue go flow through, 
they earn a little bit of margin on that. I think you'll see a recovery in earnings, but accompanying that recovery in earnings, you're probably seeing a structural improvement in the quality of the business. They have 40 odd million dollars in funds under management and that includes ownership and rental of some really good quality property. That is that is where they'll make their money. So right. for this business to uh, to turn around, it's going to have to be in that segment and I think that that's got the asset base to do it well. What they have to do is not blow things up in the construction and development side. Right. It requires good management. I'm going to call this one um, a nibble. Look, I don't think this is going to be a quick turnaround, okay. but I do think um, I do think that there are the makings of improvement here. It is such a depressed price. It's seven billion dollars. They have a hundred billion dollar pipeline of work that they're going to be um, running through over the next few years, and they make a, a two to three percent margin on that. So I think there are makings of a recovery here. Okay. But I must say, I it's a it, it's a medium level confidence for me. So I, okay. I would say keep your position size is fairly fairly yeah. small. Yeah. Uh, David, are you as confident? <laughs> uh, I'm not really. I'm, I, there's better places to be than in this stock, you know, and it's evident as I said. Look at the chart there. I mean, it's really going nowhere, and just their return on equity has been horrible. You know, it's yeah. just shocking. Um, and the yield, I, I just, you know, I'm not as hopeful as Gaurav on this one. I'd <laughs> definitely not be a, a buyer. I'd, I'd be a seller. I'd be going elsewhere. I'd be uh, okay. looking for other opportunities. I mean, they are uh, doing a joint venture at one circular key. They're building some luxury yeah. apartments there with Mitsubishi and, mm-hmm. and uh, offices. Um, you know, that's... Uh, that will eventually realise about $3 billion. They'll end up owning about 33% of that. So that's some future down-the-track mm. income stream, but that's not you know, going to be complete till I think it's 2025 or 27 or something. It's right. quite a long project. But other than that, um, yeah. no thanks. So. Okay. This coming result is going to be really important because um, they've, they've got a whole bun- bunch of projects here in Australia where there's been a lot of inflation on the cost front. Mm. And... You know, I, I really want to see this result coming yeah. up before I allocate big amounts. Because they of capital. seem to have quite thin margins. Very thin but margins. If, but if you definitely. bugger a project up, yeah, well, you bugger it up big time. Oh yeah, you bugger it yeah. up a little bit. Yeah, they, they've got some good analyst coverage here. Like from right. what I'm seeing, there's 10, 10 analysts out there have an average price target of eleven dollars eighty, which is about thirteen percent higher. Analysts, right. come on! Yeah. All they do is follow the chart up and down. Do they know? <laughs> <laughs> Mm. So, all right. So it's got that yeah. coverage, but yeah. All right. Uh, Connie wants a view, David, on Pacific Smiles, the uh, uh, big dental centre roll-up. Um, basically, from yeah. my understanding, they, they own the dentist and they lease the chairs out to dentists. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be smiling if I was a shareholder, so I would probably change the name of the company. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, they, they got hit hard by COVID, of course, Yeah. Um, being dental practices. They have been expanding. But look, I haven't seen that translate to the bottom line, personally. Um, it's just like it's a small cap company, 270, 280-odd million valuation, very illiquid as well in terms of the, you know, tr- getting in and out. Um, I don't know, their, their patient fees declined by 5.7%. Same centre patient fee, also year-on-year year, 10% decline. Um, look, 11 million, it's on a, a multiple, a really high multiple. The trend looks horrible here. This is an avoid, a sell to me. I, I Much better places to go from a technical and fundamental perspective. You might look at it at lower levels, but um, yeah, sorry, it's not for, not for my okay. money. Gaurav? I've owned this in the past, and I actually think there's a really high quality business here. 
but it's completely obscured by the numbers. You have to dig into them quite a bit to uncover what's happening here, because this is an example of where the numbers obscure everything. So this is not a dental business, this is a property business. It's the Serve Corp for, um, for dentists. They actually yeah. own the, uh, the, the offices, they set up dental clinics, yeah. they own the clinics <clears throat> and they take a 60% cut of the revenue going through the clinics. The clinics are run by the dentists. Mm. They do the marketing, they do the admin, um, they hire, they do the back end, all the supplies. So they do everything, they, as I said, they take about 60% of the revenue. So the fact that the same store revenue um, is falling is a worry. Now there, there are reasons for that. They've got some regional um, clinics and the, and the floods and everything have just Lismore, hammered those. Yeah. Um, the Lismore one has been closed, but there's other ones in there as well. Um, you've also had this, they've had a lot of um, dentists absent because of um, flu oh, and COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's now just normalizing now. And of course, these guys got smashed in COVID. So look, uh, there, there are reasons why the performance has not been good over the last year or two. Um, but if you strip that away, the model here is actually very powerful. What they do is that they build up a clinic and they put sort of um, four or five dental seats, chairs in that clinic, and they might run one of them for the first year and they add another dentist. So what happens is all the capital costs get recognized in year one when they're building out the entire clinic. But it takes about five years for them to fully monetize um, their entire clinic as they add more dentists into all these chairs. So as they're growing, it looks like they're losing money. And you can see that on the balance sheet. They're actually adding capital onto their um, onto the balance sheet. The property value uh, is, is growing and they're having to depreciate that without earning revenue on it. So as they build more clinics, the profit goes lower and lower and lower as they depreciate the cost of building all those clinics and they don't recognize the revenue from those clinics until they get to scale, which is generally three to five years after they're built. So I think you have to be patient with this one. I, I do think it's a really well-managed business. They dominate their market. Um, they have agreements with a healthcare companies, so they're, they, um, they're one of the few providers who can get um, rebates from, from healthcare, oh, yeah. from yeah. all the private healthcare companies. And they run the clinics for a lot of the private healthcare companies as well, which is wonderful revenue to get in. Um, uh, for, for mine, they, they just, I, I wish they didn't have debt. I, I, they pay decent dividends. I'd rather them um, pay the debt down and de-risk that balance sheet um, and then right. then deal with dividends later. But yeah. it generates very good cash flow. I think it's really well managed. I'm going to go buy here. There's a good mm. business here. It's had a rough uh, year or two. Yeah. Um, but but um, but I think there's a there's a high quality business here, and if you're patient, you'll see that come through okay. in the numbers. All right, um, <clears throat> Sally wants a view on New Century Zinc. Uh, Sally says I thought the June quarterly production report and cash flow numbers look good. Um, top 15 global zinc producer through its uh, Century Mine in uh, in Queensland. What do you think? Of top 15 zinc. Well, that's you what know, they say. Yeah, I just I really don't like stuff like that. You know. Um, it's like saying Australia is a is 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 the. Whenever I hear the biggest something in the southern hemisphere, <laughs> I just think, all right. So there's there's three places it could possibly be, and Australia is one of them. Um, look, they're mining a tailings operation. Um, Century, of course, is a famous zinc mine. Um, used to be run by Zinefix and then briefly by Oz Minerals. Um, it's it's a it's one of the great ore bodies of the world. It's made a fortune for those who've run it in the past. But it's been, what, 10 years since, it, since it's shut down and these guys have come in and are running the tailings operation. Yeah. 
if you don't know, the tailings operation is just all the spare rock, the leftover rock that wasn't so worth all, mining. All the rubbish. It's all the waste, and they're running through that. That can be profitable if you're a small business and you have a, an interesting processing technique. It can be profitable, but this is not going to be a wonderful business. And um, indeed, they're actually using the the cash flow from that tailings operation to then fund another. Um, uh, historic mine site, a, a copper project, Mount, Mount Lyle, um, yeah, in, in Tassie. And again, I, I'm Mount Lyle had a had a reasonably okay operating history and abruptly shut production um, in the mid 2000s, 2010s. Um, they say for, for for labor reasons, there was some sort of labor incident there, but. I would want to be super diligent in digging into what happened at right. that mine and why production stopped. Every time I see a old mine being redone and resurfaced with a new company, with a new name, with new management, I'm always... Uh, I've seen too many of these to, to be optimistic about them. I, I, this is a sell for me. Um, you can watch it if you like. If, if it's, it's possible that they make a go of Mount Lyle. But um, honestly, the, there are so many decent copper players. Um, I'm not sure why you'd, um, you'd, you'd pick this one in particular. Well, I'm going to go complete opposite of this. This is a strong buy, <laughs> outrageous buy. I mean, wow. I look at the valuation of this business. So they've, they're diversified. They've got mm. not only zinc, copper, lead, gold, silver. Okay, but look, I'm, I'm, what I've always discovered, always in 35 years, is cash flow is king. Mm-hmm. So eventually, the market will pick up. This, this is a, this is generating cash flow. You wouldn't believe, like 118 thousand tons of zinc on their margin which was about $110 all in sustaining costs US per pound they're getting around 150 760 in fact now they're probably getting higher than that uh, if you look at the zinc price right now plus the Aussie dollar and you know they generated 90 million free cash flow operational cash flow just from that century zinc mine. now they've got another operation called Silver King that's uh, net present value of 240 million which is more than the market cap of the company. Right. They had 154, they've got 154 million in the bank. So you've got an enterprise value of 70 million. Would you like to buy a business that's generating free cash flow of 90 million and that's going up to 200,000 tons per annum by 2025? Plus, the, the, we're going back to the Mount Lyle operation, which they're doing the feasibility study on this year. That's a low capex. That mine operated from 2004 to 14. 2014 generated 70 million free cash flow, right? This is going to be a green copper project that'll go for multi-decades at low cost operational with, with renewable energy from hydroelectric power. So, you know, they're going to be generating uh, by 2025, 200 million right. free cash flow wow. on an enterprise value of 70. Give me a break. This is a screaming buy. Okay. And uh, I've definitely bought shares in this. I I was like, you're kidding me. But the liquidity isn't that high. The other thing is they've got Silbani Stillwater, which is a major base metal company in South Africa who's come on the register as a 20% shareholder. So they've done their feasibility study on the company. Right. This is a takeover target as far as I'm concerned. Foster's stockbroking are conservative with a price target of $4.60. It's a dollar seventy-four. Right. Okay. It's a screaming buy. All right. Excellent. <laughs> um, with dividends coming right. in the future as well. So, just want to view uh, David on PointsBet, um, the uh, the big gaming business. Share prices recently taken a bit of a tumble on their fourth quarter update. 
Yeah, it's, uh, look, it's a gaming stock and not making any money, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, you have a look at their, their cash flow report. Um, yeah, they're running out of negative cash flow. I think I had it here somewhere. But yeah, their marketing costs are like 55 million. Net mm. for the quarter was a negative 60 million cash burn. Now, they've got a market cap of about 980 million or something with 519 million in the bank. But if you're burning 60 million a quarter, you're going to be going back to the market to raise even more capital. Yeah. So, you know, look, they're expanding in the US. They're in about 10 different states. Um, you know, their, their betting wins and, you know, markets shares growing. But they're spending a lot of money to get inroads there. So for me, show me the money. It's not there yet. Yep. So this is not, this is an avoid. It's a, it's just, yeah, sell as far yeah. as I'm concerned. And everybody's trying to get into the American market as they deregulate, aren't they? It's one of those narratives that um, that sounds very impressive because yeah. uh, in the US they're deregulating, it's gonna be a free for all. There's a lot of money to be made there. Uh, and hence a lot of capital is being attracted in. Nothing kills your returns like capital coming into the industry. And um, people get excited about the demand side and they always forget about the supply side. And, and, and you're, you know, as a business, your profit is determined by your competitor. It's not your, your customer who gives you yep. your profit. It's, it's, it's the guy um, chasing you who, who allows you to make what you're making. Um, yeah, one billion market cap, um, it should be noted, they've 10x revenue in the last uh, two years, which is just remarkable. But the cost of that has been even higher. So the the, the, the SGA margin, which is the, the sales uh, and, and admin and marketing margin, um, is 150%. So every dollar that comes in, um, they're actually losing money on every new customer, on every dollar of right. revenue that they're generating. They're losing money on all of it. So um, I'm, I'm getting a sort of a negative. They're, they're burning through $150 million a year. Um, that's from last year. It's probably going to be even be higher this year. Looks like a bit of a disaster in the making, actually. I, I would avoid this um, as well. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't see the investment case here at all. And there are a few doing the same thing, <clears throat> aren't they? That, oh, there are plenty sector. doing that. Yes, yeah, I yeah. mean it is incredible that they paid that much. Sixteen dollars. It's just like oh, wow. yeah, that's that's madness paying yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Our final stock, Gorav uh, Harris from Montevion Latitude, the uh, uh, the lending platform, uh, around two point eight million customers, two thousand merchants. Uh, Latitude Pay, Genoa Pay, Gem Visa, Go mm. Mastercard. I must admit, I've never looked in detail at this. Um, one of our guys looked at it when it tried to IPO the first time and said it was the worst IPO he'd ever seen in his life. Um, and it didn't go through that first time. It no, came around a second time. Took a few times. To took get a few up. times. Yeah. And we stopped looking at it after that. So, look, I haven't gone through it. I went through it briefly and um, I, I could make no sense of it. I have no idea, uh, really, how this business makes money. Um, it, it's got a big name CEO. Um, and, and a whole heap of stuff. Uh, look, the number's actually quite interesting. The, the cash flow is, is, looks really, really strong. Um, there's prob- there might be a good business here, but I, uh, the complexity here overwhelms yeah. anything, any attraction that I could find. Um, I, I'm a shelter and money me, and, and for me, that, that's not a simple business, but it's, it's easier to understand than this one, and okay. it's, uh, it, it's, it's just as cheap. Yeah. So um, that's where I, I'd stick my money, and, and I might politely say NFI for this one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Armour for Hordes, Chief Executive, is so still? Is that? Yep, he is, yes. Um, David? Yeah, look at consumer lending, you know, and mm. in the buy now, pay later space. I mean, they did do a deal with Hum. 
that got squashed. They were, they were going to buy Hums yeah, Consumer hum, Finance yep. arm. But look at um, you know their, their net profit after tax is quite impressive. You know, two hundred thirty-two million return on equity, seventeen percent. These are all good numbers, but these are all big ticket numbers. So they're in the big ticket area of buy now, pay later. Um, but you know, again. Facing what the consumer facing challenges down the track, I'd be very cautious about getting involved in this space. So it's not definitely not a buy or a hold for me. Okay. okay. All right. Avoid. Avoid. Uh, let's recap the final five stocks. So uh, Lynn Lisa, Nibble from Gorav, a no from David. Uh, Pacific Smiles, a buy from uh, Gorav, a no from David. Uh, New Century Zinc, uh, a, a sell from Gorav. Strong buy from David. Uh, points better, no from both. Latitude, a no from both as well. Gorav Sodi from Intelligent Investing. Good to see you, mate. Thank Good to you. be here. Thank you. David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Pleasure. Likewise. Thank you. Good to see you. Uh, if you've got any stocks you'd uh, like us to have a look at, put them in an email to me, uh, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the Osbiz TV handle. Uh, just a reminder, you can find all the stocks in the call's fantasy portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. A uh, lot happening this afternoon on Osbiz. Stick around. Next up, the small caps. See you then.